Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we're going to talk about the two sides of one coin, the two sides of one coin. And every coin has two sides. It has a uh, heads and it has a tails. And much like uh, a coin, life has two sides, a yin, a yin and a yang, good and a bad, um, or a salvation side, a sin side and a salvation side. A sin side and a salvation side. And like <clears throat> the sin side and salvation side, just like yin and yang, good or bad, um, they're two sides of the same coin. We can't have the good without the bad. We can't have the bad without the good. So everything that happens to us in life happens for a reason. Nothing, absolutely nothing in God's world happens by accident. And we need to get that in the fiber of who we are. So many people that have gone through stuff feel that their, their life is wasted. So Richard Rohr, an author that I really like, I'm going to start with another one of his quotes that just that hit me hard. It hit me really hard, and that's what this whole um, blog is going to be off of. And it says this. It says that everything belongs. Everything. God uses everything. There are no dead ends, and there is no wasted energy. Everything is recycled. Sin history and salvation are two sides of one coin. If I if I was not able, and ha- had I not uh, learned how to love my sin history, my dark side, then salvation or my, my recovery side would not uh, probably have happened because I would have thought less of myself. I would have thought... I'm not worthy of salvation. I'm not worthy of having a good life because of the things I did in the past. So everything belongs. Everything we go through is is exactly how God wants us to do it. He gives us free man. I'm not saying that God does bad things. He doesn't. But he allows us to go through what we want, what what we choose to go through. We always have a choice whether to go to a sin side or to a salvation side or to a good side or to a bad side or to a bad side we have free will and we can make those choices ourselves so everything belongs so no matter what you've been through no matter what you've done it's, it's all part of the world that God created you to live in and created for you God uses everything he, he's not going to use any he's not going to um, waste anything um, and it goes on a little bit farther. It says that there are no dead ends. There is no wasted energy. So God uses everything. The things that you think are wasted 
are the exact things that God will turn around and use for the good of, of you and uh, the good of others that you can help based on your past history, of your sin history, and then of your recovery history. You can help people walk out, walk through, and walk out of their of their their sin history. Everything's recycled, so God's going to take everything and He's going to recycle it for His use. It's like Genesis fifty twenty says. It says, "What what man meant for harm, God meant for good." Okay, He brought you to this place to save the lives of many men. So man might have meant it for bad, but God had a reason for it. Not that God not that God did it to you. You need to understand that. Man did it to you. But God allowed it to happen because he gives men free choice. Sin history and salvation are two sides of one coin. Two sides of one coin. Okay? So you can't have one without the other. Too many people want to ignore that sin history. Um, and recovery, doing the steps, is a crucial, crucial part of recovery. And it's where, you know, I myself, as well as many, many, many of my associates, um, believe that every person alive should do the 12 steps. It'll change their lives drastically. Um, but a lot of people choose, they, they, they look the other way. I don't need to do them. I'm okay. Well, to see, if, if we don't if we don't take a look at our sin history, do a moral and honest inventory of ourselves, get rigorously honest with ourselves about ourselves, it's going to be pretty hard to flip the coin over to the salvation side. It's going to be be pretty hard for us to stay in in sobriety for for too long of a period. Um, we have to face those things of our past. It doesn't. It, those whatever happened to us in our past is is not who we are. It's only what has happened to us or what we have done. And we have to remember that from this day forward, from the from the day you ask God to help you, from the day you ask Jesus to forgive you, it's done. He, he's forgiven you. And so the question I always have: people will say, "Well, I can't forgive myself." Well, you don't. You, you don't have the power to forgive yourself, and nor do you have the right to forgive yourself because God's already forgiven you. And if you're you're saying that you can't forgive yourself, but God's forgiven me, you're saying you got more power than God. The question I, I have is this: is what are you holding on to so tightly that you can't let go of? What have you not faced? And people will often say, "Well, Randy, why do we got to go back in our past?" Well, the the honest truth of that is, is you're living in your past. We're not going back in your past. You're living in your past today. That's why there's so many issues that are, are unresolved in your life and why, why you have so many issues and so many things that are going wrong. So we work through them. I take your hand. My wife takes a woman's hand. And we walk you out of your past into a brighter, a brighter and happier future. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For those who love God. So, it, it, go back to either God is everything or, or God is nothing. So, if you're one of those that are on the fence, do you truly love God? Because he, he either is or, 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 or he's not. I mean, John 1.3 says, Through him all things were made. So God is. He's everything. 
It says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So either God is everything or God is nothing. And if he's everything, then that means you love him. If he's everything, then he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God called me. He had a plan for my life to do what I'm doing, to help those that have been sexually abused, primarily men, primarily those um, and their families, but also women and also people in recovery. And also he called me to help marriages that, you know, and troubled marriages, in my experience, all have unresolved childhood uh, uh, issues, okay, or, or acism, right? Adverse childhood experiences. And troubled marriages always come down to they're replicating how their parents loved each other, loved as husband and wife, but also how they were, were parented as kids. And so it's breaking that, that, that generational curse that, that helps them get to the next level. When I first started my, 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 um, my recovery journey in 2006, a good friend of mine that I, I didn't even know was in recovery, and he was crazier than I was, but he was a great guy. And, and every time I would call him up, he, he, could, he read me the promises of AA. Every time he called me up, he, before he hung up, he always read them to me. And the promises are found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, okay? And, and just, I want you to remember something, and I'm going uh, to keep talking about this, but the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first 164 pages, are based on the book of James, 1 Corinthians, and the philosophy of AA is based on the Sermon on the Mount. It is very biblically based. In fact, I read uh, Matthew 13, 19 through 21 today, talking about the parable of the seed and, and the seed that falls on rock, it is exactly what happens to people who relapse all the time. They, 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 they walk in, they, they're on fire, they're on fire for Jesus. If you're going to church, they're on fire for recovery. I mean, they are just there, they're on it. Then the first time the wind blows, the first time some heavy trials come up, tribulations come up, poof, they're gone. They relapse. It's exactly explains exactly what happens to those who relapse. So um, the promises are on page 83 and 84. You can Google it if you'd like, and you can read the entire promises. This is just a portion of it that ties back in with Richard Rohr. It says, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, so no matter how low we've gone in our life, we will see how our experience can benefit others. Okay. So we can see how our experiences can benefit others. There also says in the big book, you cannot transmit something you do not have. So how's our experience going to benefit others if we haven't got the salvation side or the recovery side of the coin? All we're going to be able to do is relate to them on what it's like to go through all the garbage we went through in life. Yeah, man, I can remember that. Yeah, those were some good times, but man, it got me in a lot of trouble. So that's why we need the salvation side because we will see how our experience can benefit others. And that experience includes the sin side and then how do we walk out of that sin side? How did, how did I overcome 
the adverse childhood experiences or, or the unresolved childhood trauma? How did I how, how did I how did I overcome all that stuff to where I didn't need the alcohol to cover up my shame or my pain anymore? Where I could where I could meet life on life's terms, which by the way is going to be my next blog, life on life terms. So. You know, and you might ask, well, wh- why am I why am I bringing this up? You know, compared to Richard Rohr, the big book and Richard Rohr. Well, again, it, it's for a very valid point. It says that the big book was written in 1939 by Bill by uh, by Bill Wilson, right? And Richard Rohr right, wrote the book "Everything Belongs" is where this quote came out of, and a lot more in 2018, some 79 years later. And even in a different century, okay, in a different century. Yet both of these quotes, both of them, written by different authors in different centuries, are fundamentally saying the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Sin side, salvation side. It doesn't matter what happened to us. It doesn't define who we are. It's only what happened to us and what we did. So we're going to take that, right? Everything belongs, and it belongs for a reason. Again, what man meant for harm, God meant for good, okay? So what are we saying, and how can it apply to us today? Well, oftentimes when when one walks into the rooms of recovery for the first time, whether it's for the alcohol or drugs, pornography, whether it's codependency or any other addiction, okay, we often come to a place in our life where we no longer see the light. We're in a place of darkness. We fit, we're at a place we just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We've lost all hope in ourselves and in humanity. I mean, it's one thing to lose hope in humanity, but to lose hope in self, it, it, it's pretty tough. Many of them, many of these people walk in and they're, they're, they are either near losing or have lost their families. Their families have just had enough. Get out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. They're destroying our lives. You're treating our kids like crap, so on and so forth. Many are at a place of financial ruin and see absolutely no way. They have no hope of regaining financial stability again. A lot have hit a, a, a soft bottom or a high bottom, and some have absolutely hit rock bottom. And for myself, it was a high bottom. I had an emotional, uh, when I had the affair in 2004, it, it devastated me emotionally. I, I can't tell you the pain, excruciating emotional pain I was in for a couple months. And it was all caused due to my unresolved childhood issues. The the The... the the affair, in reality, was had everything to do with me and very, very little to do with my wife. Although we all have a part in everything that happens in our life, with the exception of being sexually abused or abused. Yeah. And some of them hit that rock bottom where they, I mean, it's just they've lost everything. I mean, they don't even, they, they just, I mean, literally, they've lost everything. And I've seen that where people walk in and they've had it all. I mean, they've had it all. Next thing you know, they are crawling in to the rooms of recovery going, what did I do? But the one commonality that they all have, and I, and I heard this question, 
or statement being made by a guy in NAA one time, and it was probably the most brilliant thing that I've ever heard. But they've all come to a point of desperation. And this what this guy said is, I hope, if you haven't hit there yet, I hope you come to that point of desperation. Because really, then and only then, that you're going to really surrender. Some people, you know, and again, the, what, what's your point of desperation? I can't determine. What's your point of bottom, high or low? I can't determine that. All right, I was a high-functioning alcoholic addict. High functioning, had a successful business, marriage, had everything. So mine was a was a, was a, was a high bottom. And one thing, the other thing, they feel is that their life is is ruined, and there is no way they will be forgiven by anyone they have hurt, let alone God. They just come to that point where I, I I've done so much, and I've done so much damage and so much harm that I will never, ever be able to be forgiven by my family by those around me, and how can God forgive a guy like me? How can my life ever, ever be of any use to anyone again? Those are, those are points of desperation. Psalms 91, 14 through 16 says this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. And you can put, where I put him, I will rescue Randy or him. I will protect Randy or him. For he acknowledges my name, my name being God. He will call on me. I Randy will call on, on, on God and Randy and, and God will answer me. And God will answer Randy. I'm gonna read it straight through and then I'm gonna go back and put the names in. Okay, so because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for, the, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So you can insert your name in the proper areas in there. And, and, and it, for me, it kind of goes like this. Because he loves Randy, says the Lord, says the Lord, or because Randy loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Randy. I will protect Randy, for, for he acknowledges my name, the name of God. Randy will call on me, and I will answer him, I being God. God will be with me. God will be with Randy in trouble. God will deliver Randy and honor Randy with long life, God will satisfy Randy and show Randy my salvation. Okay, so these, King David wrote that, and, and these, these, it's almost, those are all promises in there. I will rescue. I will protect. I will call on. I will answer. I will be with him. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him. Those are all not say maybe or, you know, if I think about it or if I feel like it, it's I will. And those are promises of God. Everything belongs. God uses everything. There are no dead ends. There is no wasted energy. Everything is recycled. Sin history and salvation are two sides of one coin. So what does it all mean? 
I'm sure for a lot of you, it can be both confusing and or pure nonsense. But to me, it's all very clear uh, what Richard Rohr is saying. Although at one point I will tell you, <laughs> this was, to me would be like, this is nonsense. There's no way. I mean, I was so mad at God. And don't tell me that he's doing what he did to me was for his use and to help other people, right? Because if I would have known that when I was going through it, I would have said, thank you, God, very much. Have a nice day. See you later. Bye. And I did say, see you later, bye, but I didn't say thank you very much, have a nice day. So I, 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 I came to believe that God is either everything or he was nothing. I came to believe that. And th- again, going back to John 1, 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that, what, that has been made. So it's saying right there that God is everything. God is absolutely everything. Okay? He can't, he can't be... He can't be every, you know, he can't be when everything's going good and not be when things are going south. There's no in between. Okay? There absolutely can be no in between. And we need to understand that. To me, you hear me say it all the time, God is everything, and that nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by accident. And those are hard concepts to, to accept for some people, and I understand it. It's really like, man, it, it take a while for me to to, to wrap my my uh, my eyes or my arms around my head around the concept. I thought this for a period of time because I couldn't believe that a God. I fought this for a little while. I'm sorry, I don't want to think. I fought this for a period of time because I couldn't believe that a God that was supposed to be loving, kind. And and uh, forgiving could take my father from me when I was twelve years old, so I couldn't. I, I just I I couldn't believe that if there's this God that's supposed to be all loving and all kind and and honorable and all that, then why why is he taking a twelve year old boy's father away from him, dying of cancer? I mean, Dad was only thirty two. I couldn't believe that the same God could then put a man in my life that 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 to take my father's place who would emotionally, physically, and spiritually abuse me and sexually abuse me in some of the most crucial years of my life. Those learning years, 12, 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, 16. You know, I, I, instead what I thought, if there God existed, he wanted nothing to do with me. Well, I've never been so wrong. Remember that nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by accident. My day of awakening came. My wife and I were down uh, um, in uh, Miles McPherson's church on a Sunday afternoon in San Diego at the Rock, and they had a pretty substantial bookstore in there. So I was in there going through the books, and I picked up one of the books. And in the books, this one set of books, every book that I picked up, it was the same book, but this, this author had written scriptures in each of the books, and one of them had in there Genesis fifty twenty. And I, and I never had read it before. And it said, and it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for, God, for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. I showed it to my wife, and right then and there, it, it just hit me that everything that I had been through was for an absolute reason. Because that's my life scripture. What man intended to harm me, my stepfather, my mother, those that, those that beat me, those that abused me all those years, 
they intended to, to harm me. And actually, believe it or not, the devil, Satan, will use your parents to turn you against God. And, and I know that sounds like that, Randy. That's out of you're whack. No, it is the truth, because that's exactly what happened. Is my parents, my my not my parents, my mother and my stepfather, right? Born again Christians, deacon of the church, member of the choir. They were the ones that were abusing me, turned me against God. But all of it was to bring me where I'm at right today. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I have no question whatsoever. I'm grateful, number one, that I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm grateful, number two, that I had been abused like that all those years. Because it made me the man and father and the husband and the mentor that I am today. Was it was it fun? No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. What I want to tell you is this: I want you to please understand this and please hear this, because people, I, I don't know, I don't know what they do when I start talking about this abuse in God, but I want to let you know that God did not, did not abuse me. Man abused me. God gave man free will. Okay. And my stepfather, my mother, and those around around me that abused me, it was their free will. It was not God. And I want you to understand that. So many people have said, Randy, God didn't abuse you. You're full of crap. Yeah, I, I guess I would be if that's what I said, but I didn't say that, okay? But he did allow it. God did allow it to happen to me. I mean, and, and if why wouldn't he? Look what look about Joseph's life. You know, he was at, at 17, he was... He had the vision that he's going to be the king of Egypt. And he went through 13 years of being thrown in a pit and being thrown in prison. And, I mean, all the stuff that he had to go through. King David, Job, right? Uh, Moses, Noah. And most importantly, what about Jesus? What about the pain that he endured, the suffering and, and, and the abuse? I mean, he, he's experienced everything we have. I don't believe that, and nowhere in it does it say, and it I, I really don't believe he was sexually abused, but the, the, the shame that's attached to other types of abuse, like being spit on in public, uh, there's a lot of different things he experienced that will create shame. He suffered it all for us. And just like Jesus, what I went through was all for the good of God in the end. Right? I mean, if Jesus did it, am I any better that I shouldn't have to go through it? For the good of God? So see, everything truly does belong when you look at it. God uses everything to glorify His name if we let Him. I, I didn't, I, I had a divine intervention. And I didn't, if I wouldn't have listened to it, I wouldn't, be on the, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. I wouldn't have written a book about the sexual abuse and the healing parts of sexual abuse. I'd, I'd either be in prison or I'd be six feet under the ground. I, I have no doubt about that. I got, I, God spoke to me very clearly on February 1st. I look, and, and I would pray that you would do this too, I look at everything that happens in my life as a lesson. Everything. The, if, 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 it's a guy walk, if, it's, if it's a homeless walking in front of you, God might have put him there right at the right time that maybe you were thinking about, man, I just, I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to go. I, I, I just give up. I quit. And then you see that homeless guy walk in front of you, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Thank God I'm not him. Thank God I, 
Thank God I don't have to live that way. Thank God that I at least I have a roof over my head. Right? At least I have a wife that, even though we're having problems, she loves me. She's still in my life. Thank God I have children that love me, even though we don't agree all the time. So if we can look at everything that happens to us, right? whether it's for a second, whether it's a minute, a day, whatever it is, look, start looking at it as a lesson rather than a punishment or, or something wrong. You know, what did I do wrong? How come God's punishing me? God's not going to punish you. We punish ourselves. What happens is that God always, He gives us the free will to do as we choose. But he, what He doesn't do is does not re- remove the consequences of the choices that we make. So in other words, if we're drinking and driving, right, and we get pulled over, what's the consequences for drinking and driving and being drunk and getting caught? You're going to go to jail. That's the land of the law. Okay, God, God won't, he won't relieve us of that. But he gives us free will to do as we want. And so I knew exactly when that divine intervention, I, I got to quit. So when I look at everything that happens in my life as a lesson, I look at it as a lesson that I can glean on to help others. It, and, and what it does, it stays in my memory bank. And inevitably, every time I'm working with somebody, something comes up. And I can and I can go back through the files and it just kind of goes through it by itself and there's something in there that I can always help somebody with. And it might just be how to look at it differently. Maybe they're looking at it from a, from you know through a dirty pair of sunglasses. So why don't we clean your glasses and look at it through a new perspective? How about if we look at like my sponsor did to me one day? I was I was having some troubles and he grabbed my right shoulder and he pulled me over to the right. He goes, Randy, just step to the right. You keep on you're bumping into the same tree in the forest. Come over here. And as soon as he did it, it's like, there's more to it than that. But as soon as he did it, it's like, oh, there's a trail. Now I can see clearly because I just stayed stuck in that one spot. And I couldn't see how to get out of it. And that's where a good mentor, a good sponsor, and a good coach or counselor can help you move past that stuck point. I've gone through everything I went through in my life. The abuse, my addictions, the divorce, the affairs, building a business, losing a business, and so much more. If I had not gone through all that, I would not be able to help those that I'm helping today. That God has called me to help today. I would, I would not be able to help them. I'd have no business trying to help somebody because I wouldn't know what it's like. I wouldn't know what it's like to, 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 to be abused in uh, and I had the gamut, emotional, physical, spiritual, and sexual. I want to know how it felt to be abused like that. I want to know the tools to walk out of that pain. I have no business helping anybody. And that, that, that part in the big book is so crucial. And I think uh, as I read the Bible, I run across stuff. And, and like I said in the big book, it says you cannot transmit. There's something you do not have. And I even believe there's a, a scripture in the Bible that's similar to that. Um, I, I remember reading some last week, and I didn't write it down, unfortunately. So if you cannot transmit something you don't have, in other words, what they're saying is if you have not experienced both the suffering and the healing, you have no business trying to help others recover what, what has been lost. 
All you can do is be there for the, for them as a friend. Be an ear just to listen. Don't try to help them. Don't try to solve their problems. Because what a lot of people need to get to the other side of the coin, they just need to be heard. That's all they need. They just need to be heard. And the reality is I, I have seen much more damage done than good to others by well-intentioned people, most, most of whom have been educated academically with no real-life experiences or those that are sober yet have no recovery. So we've got to be really careful. We all have the intention. I believe that once we get in recovery and we're in the help, we want to help people. And our true intention is to help people. But sometimes we can't help everybody. And my wife and I, we've learned to let people go. It's like, look, there's nothing more we can do for you. You're, you're stuck. You're not, you're, not, you're not working with the tools. It's okay. You know, go. Maybe you need somebody else to help you for a while. And that's, we have no problem doing that. I use the word recovery a lot and almost ex- exclusively because there's a big difference between sobriety and recovery. I mean, a huge difference. Sobriety is just simply when we quit drinking or using our drug of choice. So we just, we just don't drink no more. And you see it all the time. And, and man, what's wrong with my wife? I haven't drank in a year. And she's still rat- nat- nagging at me about this, that, or the other thing. And, man, 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 man. And it's like my life's falling apart. And blah, 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 blah. Well... What have you done in your sobriety? Have you done any step work? Have you done any recovery work? Well, no, man. I just go to meetings and don't drink. I go, yeah, okay. How's that working for you? It doesn't sound to me like it's working very good because what you're doing is you're just a dry drunk. You got the same problems, but you just now you don't have the alcohol to to numb them or quiet quiet them down. So it's exasperated. Your problems are exasperated now without the alcohol. Recovery, on the other hand, is, is, an act, is, an, is the act or process of returning to a normal state after a period of difficulty or the return of something that has been lost, stolen, etc. Lost or stolen, our humanity, our integrity, um, our self-esteem, our self-worth, our morals, our spirituality, all things soul-related. So we regain all those things over a period of time. Some quickly, some slowly. So then how do we how do, how do we recover these things? By doing a fear, fearless and moral inventory of ourselves, by going on a deep and rigorously honest soul-searching journey of our soul. It takes work, people. It, it, it absolutely takes a lot of work and it's hard. Rigorously honest soul-searching journey of our soul, which means we are looking rigorously at ourselves. Not at what mom and dad did. Okay, we, we cross that bridge because we need to know where our behaviors are coming from. But we look at ourselves and our behaviors and how we've hurt other people, right? We look at everything, how other people have hurt us. And we get rigorously honest about ourselves and about how we feel, about how... And this when we go into mom and dad, how when mom and dad weren't there for you. I think one of the biggest resentments that people hold on to is they hold resentments towards their parents because they're so afraid to say that their parents weren't weren't good parents because they provided me with a roof over my head. They provided me with food. They provided me with the best clothes. They provided me with a nice car. They provided me with money. They provided me, they provided me, but where was the emotional support and where was the love? 
okay? It's a place we have to go to truly heal and in order to truly, truly fall back in love with our parents. I know it sounds weird, but... See, the unfortunate part is that most people do a fearless and moral inventory and a rigorously honest self-searching journey of themselves staying more focused on their self rather than their soul. They don't, they avoid, it's, it's, it's that rigorously honest self-searching journey is, is more about the surface level stuff. They don't dig deep into their soul where the, where the problems, where the problems lay. Your soul needs to be restored. The spirit of, of the spirit of God, the spirit of your child within you needs to be restored. It's a hard journey. I'm not going to lie. It's, it, it, my good friend that I talked about earlier, he, his wife called my wife when I first entered recovery and said it's going to be the hardest thing Randy ever did. And it was. It's hard. But it's so worth it. So worth it. So I, the question I, I ask you is this. Are you on a self-seeking path or a soul-searching path? It's a big difference. So yes, everything belongs. God uses everything, everything. There are no dead ends. There is no wasted energy, and everything is recycled. Sin history and salvation are two sides of the one coin. Remember, we can look at everything that has happened to us and everything we have gone through as a lesson. Then yes, this is all very true. We can realize that no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. However, we must remember that our sin history and salvation are two sides of one coin. You cannot have one without the other. You need to understand that. You cannot have one without the other. And, you, and, and again, you have to love the sin side of your coin, the darkness in your life. I've had to learn how to embrace it and love it. That's the only way I got through a lot of it. And some of it still comes up. And I got to just, you know what? Hey, it is what it is. And you know what, man? You're, you're okay, Randy. I got to love that part of me, too. If I fight it, I got to accept it. Because if I'm, if I'm fighting it, I'm trying to control it. And that just wears you down. So remember that a lot of things in, in life we have to accept. It doesn't mean we approve of it. But if we're not accepting, what are we doing? We're fighting. And why are we fighting? We're fighting to control. Think about military. The military, they, 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 they strategize, implement, and conquer. All right? So they're going in after an objective. So they're not accepting the fact that the, the Taliban has overtook this village of, of civilians. Okay, so their their objective is to take that village, right? Why do they got to take that village? Why do they want to take control of that village, right? So that so that the the, the, the civilians can have relief and get back to a normal point of life of, of living. So as as they as they they're fighting, but they have a purpose to fight. They have to fight, all right. And sometimes we have to fight too. But they're, what they're doing is, 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 again, they're not accepting, or they've accepted, they've accepted that that village was taken over by the Taliban. They don't approve of it because it's wrong because Taliban's killing the innocent civilians. So they're going to fight. In the battle, what happens in the battle to, to take control? 
They get exhausted. They get worn down. They lose people. People fall off, right? And they keep battling. They keep battling. They keep battling until they finally gain control. And then here's, here's, here's the one that really upsets a lot of people. They get the village all back under control. People are all cool, and they leave, only to have the Taliban move back in. Think about your life. We have to accept. It doesn't mean approval. But if we're not accepting in, in, in human life, because it's different than military, just an example I use there, then we're fighting. Why are we fighting? We're fighting to control people, places, or things. And two things happen. As we're fighting that war, okay, we're either pushing, we're, we're more likely pushing people away from us that we're trying to draw closer to us. Right? And then if we do draw them closer to us in the long run, what happens to it? My experience is they run. Okay? Acceptance does not mean approval. But if we're not accepting, we're, we're fighting, we're fighting for control, and now all that's going to do is tire us out. Okay? In order to truly help others, it helps if we have walked in their shoes. Then and only then can we truly understand their sin side and have empathy. Okay? To truly help someone, however, we must have done our own deep soul-searching healing work, for this is, this is where one truly finds true recovery. It takes time, it doesn't happen overnight, and it's hard. Hey, guys, check out my, my uh, foundation page, Courageous Healers Foundation, Courageous Healers Foundation at CourageousHealers.org. Also, my life coaching, uh, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. I do life coaching. I work on marriage. My wife and I do a lot of marriage counseling. We're Simba certified. It's a phenomenal asset. That really, it's like 99.9% accurate. It helps everyone that's taken it so far. So we do marriage. We do addiction. We do abuse. We do spiritual. We do all sorts of stuff. All different kinds of coaching. Uh, my wife and also my wife and I also do marriages, weddings. I mean, um, so yeah, check that out. ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. If you're interested to find out more about my coaching, just leave a uh, send a message in the contact form, and I'll get right back to you. Okay. Also, you can get my books, Healing the Wounded Child Within, and on Amazon. It's going to be on Kindle. Audible and paperback, as well as my 30-day devotional to wholeness on Amazon. It's on Kindle and on paperback. And my seven-day challenge is also on, on Amazon. So you can pick all those up there. They're all very helpful books. I will see you on our next episode. And remember this, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. But more importantly, God does. Everybody have a super blessed day or evening, whatever time it is that you're listening to this at this point. Love you all. Goodbye.